Hello, podcast fans. This is Falcon Paladin coming to you with yet another Falcon Paladin hour, along with our co-caster, Wade. And as always, how are you doing today, Mr. Wade? I am good. Uh, I feel a little bloated at the moment because I don't like to, like, cook and then clean and then sit down and report a podcast, so I order food. And today I was ordering Red Rooster, and I asked them to deliver it at 12.15, so a little after midday. They got here about 10 minutes ago. And so I'm like, well, I'm really hungry. Better rush all this food down and then start a Skype call for a podcast. That does not sound like a good recipe. I'm going to tell the truth here. <laughs> it's not. It's a terrible recipe. You're going to have to explain what Red Rooster is. I don't know what that is. Oh, you guys don't have Red Rooster? It's a like a fast food chicken place. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Red Rooster. <laughs> The first option is the Red Rooster Las Vegas Swingers Club. <laughs> I did not have that <laughs> So, no. It's probably not it. It's all adult entertainment places. So, no. In America, that is not um, not a chicken place. Red... Try Red Rooster Australia. Australia. Oh, hey, there we go. Redrooster.com.au. They've got French. Do you call? Oh, you call them chips. I was going to say, do you call them French fries or chips? But the website says chips. They're chips. They are chips. Reminds me of Nando's. Do you have Nando's there? We have Nando's. Okay. Uh, very similar, except Nando's is more like a, I think has like a Mexican or like a Spanish vibe to it. I don't go there often. Portuguese, actually. But yeah. Well, oh, Portuguese. Okay. Yeah, that's close enough in between. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to Nando's in South Africa when I was there. Real good chicken place. Good sauce. They let you buy the sauce by the bottle. So we take some home mm. and just put it on random stuff. And it was good, good, good. But it's Portuguese. Yeah. So close enough. Spanish vibe. Portugal, same deal. Although don't tell that. I'm sure they get upset if people say uh, that the Spanish and the Portuguese are the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they probably get a little upset. Yeah. Kind of like if I were to say New Zealanders and Australians are the same thing, you'd be like, how dare you? How dare you? See? I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I just... I have a sixth sense about these things. America and Canada are practically the same place. Yeah. Well, Western Canada, yes. Eastern Canada, no. So halfway true. <laughs> now you're just splitting hairs. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I've, I've got friends who live in Western Canada, like Alberta, and they are American. They like the same stuff I do. They talk the same. They dress the same. They drive the same cars. The only difference is sometimes they say their O's a little weird, but that's it. But in East, Eastern Canada, those guys are the Frenchies. They're the Quebecois. Uh-huh. And as such, they are much different from Americans because there's really not a whole lot of French influence in our country. Oh, okay. You guys don't have like a little Paris downtown Salt Lake City? Uh, we do not. The closest thing we've got is Louisiana, actually, which is way down south. But it was originally settled by uh, French trappers. So they've kept some of the French influence down there. Uh Cajun stuff mostly. Some people speak smatterings of French, but that's as close as we get, just in that single part of the country. Well, I mean, you speak French, sort of, sort of. So that's a that's a combination of me in high school being stupid and not taking Spanish, which would have been so much more useful, <laughs> and deciding that French was where I wanted to go. And I, to this day, I can't remember what the thought process was for me to take French. For two years in high school, it was fine. I didn't love it or anything, but learned a bunch. 
And then, as I mentioned previously, you spent some time in Madagascar, where the second national language is French. And the more education somebody who lives there has, the more French they speak. And so in talking to somebody, it's either going to be, it's usually going to be Malagasy. That's the national, that is the language of Madagascar. But if they've been to elementary school and graduated that, if they've been to a secondary school and graduated that, if they've been to a university and graduated that, the levels of French they sprinkle into the conversation just gets higher and higher and higher and higher. And so just being able to understand French at the very least is kind of a survival skill down there to some extent. Especially if you're white, if you're white in that country, they assume you're a French person and they'll bust out all the French they know. (laughs) (laughs) And so I spoke, speak Malagasy. French was just something that I had in my back pocket and actually improved over the time that I was there. But I've had absolutely zero call for it since coming back to the States and Utah. And sometimes I feel like knowing Spanish would be a lot, lot more useful because there's much, much, much heavier uh, Spanish language influence in our state and generally across the West than French. Fair enough. Yes. Now you know the language background of Falcon Paladin. Very useful. Yes. So I have an update on the meat pies. Yes, the meat pies. I'm sure everyone's starving to know more information. They pulled up this podcast and they were like, but what about the pies? (laughs) So here's what happened. I made the order on the internet on our last podcast, like I said. It was going to be $36 for four pies, including shipping. But I said, this is important. I like meat pies. I respect the Australian culture and what Wade can offer to this podcast, so I'm going to do it. And I clicked the button, and I ordered it, and then the next morning, I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize, and I said, I usually don't answer the phone when I get phone calls I don't recognize, but I just ordered something from another state, so I'm going to pick up this time. And I picked up, and this lady said, hey, this is the Australian bakery. She did not have an Australian accent. I think it's a fraud. Zero out of ten. Yeah. I was like, oh, are you guys even really Australian? I didn't say this. I just thought it. (laughs) And she said, show me your visa. (laughs) Are you actually from the land down under? The answer was no. And so she says, did you just order four pies from us? And I said, yes, actually I did. I gave you my phone number, so mm -hmm, that was me. She said, well, here's the thing. You live so far away in Utah of all places. This is coming from Georgia. It is, I mean, it's it's a pretty far away distance. But she said, we're actually going to, instead of doing the ground delivery that you selected because it was cheap, we're actually requiring you to use two-day air delivery to guarantee the freshness of the pies. And that will be $56 just for shipping. And I said, let me think about that. Mm, no, that's ridiculous. It's $56 just for the shipping, and then they wanted like 25 more bucks for the pies. Sir, $75 <laughs> pies, <laughs> which which we can't verify how actually good they'll be. Right. So it's, yeah, no pies worth $75. No. Well, there's part of me that said for science we should find out how good these pies are and throw caution to the wind. But then my wife was starting her master's program at the university and there were some fees associated with that and the kids were going back to school and they needed new clothes. And it was just like, I can swing $35, but 75 is a little too steep right now. If 
you, dear listener, would like to help raise high fund to get Falcon his pies, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our first stretch goal will be to get pies for Falcon Ballad. Ooh, that's a great <laughs> stretch goal. Yes. <laughs> so link in the show notes to the Patreon Patreon page. Again, it's just a great organization that lets you support free content that you're getting without having to listen to ads, right? You hate ads. Everybody hates ads. We're not going to get ads. And so if you don't want ads, consider subscribing. You can subscribe to us for as little as $1 a month. And considering we give you an hour of entertainment every week of every month, isn't that worth a dollar, Wade? Is that a worth a dollar to you? It is. So yeah, anyway, Patreon. Check it out. Check out the link. And again, stretch goal is going to be pies for Falcon. We'll consider other stretch goals. If you have any suggestions, let us know. The creativity of our viewer base is very important to us. So... We'll also always take feedback at falconpaladin at gmail.com with the subject of podcasts. I read every single one of those, those that I get. Um, I got one actually last week where somebody said, in the car I have a hard time hearing Wade compared to you, Falcon. You're big and you're booming and you're loud, but if I turn it up loud enough to hear Wade, then you are overpoweringly loud. So we're going to try to mess with the, the uh, levels on this cast and see if we can improve it. If worse comes to worse, we'll turn down my levels in an attempt to bring this into a better balance. But again, I just kind of have a natural bassier voice than Wade does, and I think that's a large part of the problem. Yes. Just stop being you for like an hour. Could you do that so people could hear me, please? An hour a week. <laughs> an hour a week. Maybe I could do my NPR cast voice. For, an NPR. <laughs> for the pod. Did, I've done it. How does that, yeah. So I've done it twice. The first time it was when I used to cast with Heartless, and we were messing around on Skype one day and just started talking in an NPR voice, which is just soft and melodious and non-threatening and in every way just the softest voice you can ever hear. It's smooth listening for those who don't like being startled. That's creepy. <laughs> NPR stands for National Public Radio. It's a tax... Do you know? I am aware. Yeah, I, okay, I know, but explain for, explain for the listeners. Yeah, for those who don't know, it's a, it is a United States-based uh, radio program that is across the country. They do radio shows, they do talk shows, they play classical music, and every single one of the hosts talks like this. It's like they're given specific training on how to be an NPR radio host. And so Heartless and I did one of those and managed to get through the whole thing without busting up laughing at each other. It was hard, but we managed and then the second time I did it, I developed some kind of crazy sickness where I, my, I don't know what it was. My throat hurt and I was coughing a lot and I lost my voice actually, which is where the buffer came in. The buffer kicked in. Nobody noticed anything, but I was feeling blah. And then my buffer started to run out and I wasn't getting better and my voice wasn't coming back. And it got to the point where I was like, if I don't cast something tonight... I'm going to have to miss a day. And at that point, I'd never missed a day. And it was a huge point of pride. Mm. And so I messed around, I tried some tests, tried to see if I could cast without sounding like my voice box was exploding, because that's what it sounded like when I talked normally. And I found that if I just talked in this range and I used the old NPR voice, that section of my vocal cord area was undamaged and able <laughs> to speak clearly. <laughs> So I did, and it was a long cast. It turned out being like a 35-minute cast <laughs> where I was just so chill. And I, I don't know if I should bring it back. It was fairly popular, but it's also pretty hard. I'm, I'm flipping a coin here to determine whether or not I ask you to do the rest of the podcast like that or just stop it immediately. <laughs> I can't decide. 
It is kind of creepy. You're right about mm. that. <clears throat> I mean, I don't do it quite as well as the NPR people do. It really sounds warm and friendly and welcoming when they do it. Is that their normal voice? Are they no. instructed to do that? They're in, no? they're, I think they're instructed to do that. Because I've heard NPR hosts on other radio programs and on TV where they're being interviewed by another program, and they sound normal. Like, they have nice voices because they're on radio. You can't be on radio with a bad voice. But right. they're definitely not doing the NPR voice. They're just talking normal, so. So strange. I guess they really just don't want to offend anyone. Yeah. Or freak anyone out. Yeah. I mean, there if there was ever anything startling on that station, I would be so surprised. But it's hugely popular. People really love the programs on that. Uh, they like the hosts. Especially popular with, like, the college-educated crowd. They kind of try to cater to those people. And they do news and weather and stuff and it's good i've i heard about them through some of my other podcasts they occasionally get brought up but the thing that always stuck out in my mind was apparently when they they don't ask for donations and things like that but they say if you do want to support the show to go to your nearest radio station and give them money because apparently their npr podcasts are done kind of through the same uh, like government-funded radio stations in America, and so that if you donate to them, technically some of that money will pull through to them as well. But you can't support them specifically. Huh. I'm taking a look at their website right now, and yeah, you're right. If you want to support public radio, go to a member station, mm-hmm. your local NPR affiliate. Uh, looks like you can. You looks like you can donate directly though. Oh, you can? That might be new. Major gifts from individuals. You can send a check to NPR in Baltimore, Maryland. You can go to givingatnpr.org with a credit card. You can wire transfer. You can send them stock. <laughs> you can <laughs> um, include NPR in your estate planning. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is true. You can do okay, employer gift matching. What is that? That's where if you donate money to NPR, your employer will match the donation. Oh, okay. And give them the same amount. I had no idea all these things were possible. All right. So, yes, they, I mean, the first thing here is go to your member stations and give them money. But if you can't do that or you'd really rather not to for some reason, there are some other options. Yeah. Well, that's enough about how to support it. Other <laughs> it is. They get tax money. They don't need our support. Well, no, they don't. I mean, maybe a little bit, but. But, but, so, have I've been hearing some feedback about the public test drone and those proposed StarCraft II balance changes. Have you been hearing stuff about this? I've seen a little bit, not a huge amount. Like, I've heard new stalkers beat, uh, like, the one base Roach Ravager all in. Oh. Which is, you know, which is nice, but I basically just read the headline and said I'm a Terran. <laughs> Skip. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm glad you've got a way to deal with that. Uh, beyond that, I haven't really seen much. What have you been seeing? I've just been seeing talk about how fast the, what's it called? The servo upgrade? Mm. Or trans- the smart servos. Yep. Those yeah. are widely considered hilarious. Yes. I linked Pig versus Jason last week in the show notes. And my god, they changed so fast. It's blink of an eye, and you miss it. I, like Hellions were running in, changing, change back, run out. It's like, whoa, I cannot wait to get my hands on those. But 
But who knows? Who knows if it'll actually come in? Yeah. Yeah. So Reddit's been all over this, obviously. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there's a unit tester that somebody put out specifically for the balance changes on all of the servers. And there have been some complaints about that. I mean, that wasn't done as well. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not hearing about anything that's ridiculously overpowered that they're going to immediately reverse. But it would be interesting to see if there's uh, what's coming out here. Why can't I find this? I thought there was an update that Blizzard put out talking about the feedback they've received, but searching for legacy of the balance or legacy of the void balance update brings a lot of results. August 2017. The first autocomplete was Augusta, Georgia. When I typed in balance update aug, it's like, are you talking about the state Georgia? No. I found a post on Reddit that seems to be like a nice big read through of somebody's thoughts, but it's nothing official from Blizzard. Right. I think Parasitic Bomb is bonkers. Right. Really should do some playing, actually. Yeah. Let me check out should. the test map. Mm. We can jump on that after this if you'd like. Yeah, you, you can give it a try. Mm. Yeah, that actually sounds... We should do that. We should do that. All right, we'll do that. Good plan. All right. Right. Uh, let's see. What else is going on here? Um, yeah, I'm still casting for a gauntlet. On Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, if you want to come by and say hello. I would love to come by, but I have been busy the last two Sundays. Ah. Well, technically they're my Mondays when you're recording. But two weeks ago, I was... Actually, technically I was only busy for one. Yesterday I was just lazy, my apologies. But um, I had my motorbike in for a service, I don't know, like a month ago at this point. And they got it back to me and said, oh, something needs replacing. And I was like, okay, cool. And like, it's going to take a week. Bring it in. Like, we'll call you when the parts are in. And we'll, you know, bring your bike back in. It's fine to ride on at the moment. I'm like, all right. Week goes by. They call me and go, hey, bring your bike in. Okay, I bring my bike in. And they go, oh, you got any other problems with it? And I go, oh, yeah, there's a couple of things. And one of the things was, have you ever ridden a motorbike? Like twice? Twice? Okay. <laughs> Uh, so you know the, where the throttle is, right? Your right hand? Yeah. You spin? Yep. Yeah. Okay. You know how you have like a kill switch and usually your horn might... Oh, no, your horn's usually on your left. But you know how you have that cluster of stuff on your handlebars next to your hand? Yes. Right? If I push too hardly with my thumb like on the ignition to start the bike, the whole thing would spin on the handlebar. Whoa. That seems yeah. incorrect. No, yeah, very. Which wasn't a huge issue because when I twisted the throttle, it didn't do it. Like, I could still accelerate just fine. And like, all right, yeah, we can have a look at that. And then I get it back from them. And they go, okay, we're going to need to order more parts to fix that thing. Also, your indicator doesn't work now. Don't know what happened with that. I'm like, I'm Thor. Uh, Excuse me? Yeah, we had to order a new part for your indicators as well. What? And... By the way, every time that I've had to put my bike in, it's been on the day where you cast with Gauntlet. Traditionally. So, traditionally. So I've had to, you know, be there instead of in front of my computer with a bucket of popcorn. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm like, can I ride at home? And they're like, I guess. I'm like, well, that's my only mode of transport. I need to. So I had to ride home and only take left-hand turns because my right <laughs> indicator didn't work. <laughs> That takes a lot of planning ahead. It does. And I had, fortunately, when I ride to work, there's basically no one on the streets. Mm. But after work, I had to try and find out how do I ride 
back to the shop at like nine o'clock in the morning with peak traffic on the way to work when people are heading to work because that's when I finish work mm-hmm. and only take left-hand turns. And I'm like, okay, well, I work here and the shop is there. How do I get there? Okay, leave my work, turn right. Damn it. <laughs> like the, the most direct way was two right turns. And I'm like, I can't do those. I'm like, so I had to think about it. And it was just like, take eight or nine excessively left turns and like two U-turns down private streets, like residential streets to try and make up for right turns. Oh, it was a nightmare. But now everything works. Oh, good. So, so I'm glad that's not still yeah. your motorbike nightmare. So UPS drivers in America mm. pretty much never make left turns. What? Yeah, this is something that came to the public awareness in January of this year. Huh, how come? Because driving through oncoming traffic basically slows it down. So taking a left turn, right? Oh, you guys are on the wrong side of the street. Okay, now I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So they're on the right side mm. of the street, and then turning left takes them across traffic. Mm. And so they basically did an algorithm that said, okay, so it also increases accident chances to do that, and it's actually uh, faster for us just to take right turns in most situations so 10 percent of the turns for a ups driver are going to be left throughout their day i mean this might just be something i've seen online but aren't they saving enough time by just throwing your package at the door (laughs) well yes that is a time saver (laughs) (laughs) from the moving vehicle just I've, i've seen like like security footage of ups drivers just going around and throwing stuff at the door. Yeah, because they're trying to save time or make up for time that they lost earlier. Mm. Very true. It is a stressful, stressful job to be a delivery driver for sure. Mm. Probably. But, I mean, I, I didn't like having to think, okay, I can only take left turns, and they do it intentionally? Yep. Huh. I guess I guess it works for them. Yeah, I mean, they've been doing it for, what does it say here? doesn't say. So they began with the assumption that the most direct route was the best route, but when they factored in accident risks, travel time, and fuel use, it became clear that left turn, uh, left-hand turn, left turns across traffic were a problem. Higher risk of accident, waiting for a break in oncoming traffic, waste time, and idling fuel, and increases accident risk. There you go. Hmm. Fair enough. There you go. So if you want to be safe, take only right-handed turns. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most common thing you'll hear when you like there's the start of the phrase if you want to be safe you know always wear protection not you know take left turns don't take left turns it's an odd way to end it i don't think it's going to catch on no it's not as catchy as like wear your seatbelt or wear a helmet or yeah Hmm. yeah yeah which oh, it's it's crazy to me that sometimes in some states you don't have to wear a helmet yep that is ludicrous because here it's the i mean admittedly it's the only technically piece you need to wear as long as you've got a you know a certified helmet you could wear nothing if you wanted to other than that they have public decency laws in australia (laughs) Uh, uh, truthfully told i don't know (laughs) i'm gonna google it public decency australia Mm-hmm. You might find a bunch of stuff from our uh, 
what was it? Essentially a parliament member walked into parliament wearing like a full burqa and was like, nobody wants us to see my face or ID. It's like, yeah, it's because we all know it's you, you crazy lady. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it says here at findlaw.com.au that all jurisdictions have laws criminalizing obscene exposure, which states Mm. that a person will be considered to have behaved in an indecent manner if in a public place or while visible from a public place or in a police station. This is very specific. <laughs> I, I was going to say, do roads, like, does the highway count as a public place? But I'm, yeah. I assume it's seen from a public place. So, Yeah, aren't the roads state-owned there? They're not privately owned, right? Uh, yeah, they're state-owned. Uh, yeah, okay. So yeah, public. Hmm, I suppose. So yeah. I suppose. Okay, well, they could go out wearing very little and just the helmet. Right, right, right. Could be wearing a Speedo, which there's a different word for that there. Budgie smuggler. That's the one! That is the best word of all time, budgie smuggler. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It is good. There were... I remember... Now I'm just pulling news stories out of my head and I don't even watch the news. Hmm. I remember this would have been years ago... But there was this photo going around of a guy who I think wasn't our prime minister at the time, but then later would be, of him at the beach in a budgie smuggler. Nice. Yeah. That's so yeah. good. Tony Abbott, I think his name was. Didn't, yeah. didn't harm his political career all that much, apparently. Well, I mean, he's not in office now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did that kill his attempt? <laughs> uh, no, well, <laughs> that, that didn't, but some other stuff did. Uh, mm. It was a pattern of behavior then. Well, politics works very strangely in Australia. Um, there are times where I'm, I'm like, what's happening? I don't understand, and I just give up. Now I'm, now I'm pulling more headlines out. Like, uh, <laughs> Kevin Rudd, like, when he was running, Kevin Rudd, the biggest thing that anyone thought would hurt his campaign chances was um, the rumor that he had once visited a strip club. <sighs> Goodness, one time. Hmm. It probably bolstered his support. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, I feel like Australian culture is okay with that kind of thing. Uh, it might be. I don't know. Right. I've never been. But I mean, just, I don't know. Do you know people who routinely admit they go to strip clubs? Uh, well, I knew one person. Are they socially outcast or are people like whatever? I mean, people are mostly like, eh, whatever. Yeah. But the guy's a little strange to begin with. Right. So, I mean, that other stuff, sure, that causes problems. But if he was a normal dude who's like, yeah, I go to strip clubs sometimes, it'd be like, we don't care. Yeah, I, I think most people just go, eh, don't care. The most times I've usually seen stuff like that is like bachelorette parties and box nights and stuff. Yeah, so like a once-in-a-lifetime deal. For the sake of tradition. If you're doing it, probably once-in-a-lifetime. Yeah, probably. Not good for the relationship, can't imagine. But, but maybe people would disagree. Mm. Maybe. So... Current news, not from long time ago news. Uh, have you, has your news got anything about the uh, the hurricane that's hitting Texas right now? Uh, I've seen a couple of headlines. Okay. And some photos. Yeah. So it's Hurricane Harvey, which I believe you have a different word for hurricane down there. No, hurricane is the word we use for hurricanes. Okay. So like Southeastern Asia call them typhoons? Typhoons are different call them i thought there was a different word for it in different places all right fine hurricanes our international audience will know what we're talking about 
So yeah, hurricane. And it was supposed to basically pass over Houston, which is right on the coast, right on the uh, Gulf of Mexico coast. But then it just kind of sat there and just dumped and dumped and dumped. And now there's incredible flooding in Houston, like some of the biggest flooding they've seen in 100 years right there. And so I just sent you a link. We'll probably put it into the show notes if you are interested in seeing more. But basically, people are out there in boats. I mean, that is how deep this water (laughs) is, is actual boats are being used to get around and rescue people from their homes. Uh, people who are stranded. I mean, this is going to be a ridiculous cleanup effort when all is said and done. Mm. And what's interesting is that my brother is actually down there right now. He lives in Houston. And then my sister and her husband live there too. So uh, thankfully, they're both of the city where it's not too bad. Uh, my brother lives on the third floor of an apartment, so he's fine. And then my sister lives in a home where, for whatever reason, I don't know if they're in a higher part of the city, but the water has been along the roadway, but hasn't come up to their house yet. So so thankfully for them, they're fine. But there have been people who have been rescued from their homes. Like, they get stuck in their attic. The flooding is so bad, and they're punching holes into the roof to get picked up by helicopter. I mean, it's, it is pretty crazy stuff. Says at least six people have died. Um, 3,000 people have had to be rescued. People are getting eva- like mandatory evacuation zones. People are forced to get out, and it's supposed to continue for the next few days. So mm. it is a much, much bigger deal than people thought it was going to be, and it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. Yeah. I saw somewhere that it was 50 inches of water supposed to be going down on top of them, which is just mental to try and imagine. Yeah. I saw a, a photo of a dog tied to a chain, like tied to a tree, and the owners had just left them there. I'm like, no, how dare you? No. Someone go and get that dog. Yeah. I hope someone did. And it was like, it was next to the road, and the road was like, I can't tell how deep that water is. <laughs> Please stop, you know, rising. Yeah. It's probably continuing to rise, though. Yeah, that's terrible. Oh, I just watched a video of some guy getting rescued with his dog, though. That's nice. No, that is nice. That is nice. Some people care about their pets. Mm. Care about your pets, people. Yeah, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk to animals. Nope. Nope, okay. Traditionally, when our kids ask for pets, we say kids are enough. (laughs) 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 They are expensive enough. They are smelly enough. They are destructive enough. That we don't need to add to that by getting a dog or a cat or something. Fair enough. What about a goldfish? Maybe. Maybe a goldfish. I mean, we've considered going even as big as like a gerbil, but... Eh. <laughs> Generally, our strategy has been to tell our boy, if you want a cat, wait until you have your own apartment in eight years, <laughs> and then you can get a cat. <laughs> when you basically kick him out the door, you can have your own cat then. Yep. 18th birthday, pow. I'm still in school, dad, pow. I will say, figure out your own place to live. Oh, that's a bit mean. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but I'm not going to be one of those parents either that has their kids live with them until the age of 37. That's just, that is unacceptable. You want your own house back? I do. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Well, and my parents did a good job with us kids. Like, I don't think any of their children have moved back home for anything longer than like a month or so. Like maybe between jobs or something or something gets really bad. And I think that's because they've created an environment where it is so restrictive. (laughs) (laughs) And there are so many rules that the main motivation is to get out and experience freedom. And yeah, there's responsibility and yeah, there's bills, but it is so worth the freedom 
that the accompanying responsibilities aren't as big of a deal. So that's what they did. And maybe I'm going to try to do that with my kids too. keep the tradition going. So you're just going to be very strict with them and make them want to move out. Yeah. 7 p.m. curfews. And and they can have one hour outside of the house on weekends. And yeah, I don't know. We'll have to make this up as we go. One hour outside the house on weekends. (laughs) Most parents are like pushing their kids, go play outside. And you're like, only for one hour. Yep. And then right back in here. And then that way they'll want to move out so they can have outside time. Mm. Make them sign contracts that they have to practice Korean hours of StarCraft 2 daily. (laughs) As long as they live here. You're going to make pro or you're going to (laughs) leave. It's GM before high school, buddy. You better learn. <laughs> oh, I have actually introduced my boy to StarCraft. He, oh, yeah? Yeah, I loaded up Brood War for him a little bit ago. And he got through the first couple levels of the Brood War campaign. And then I think he went back to Minecraft. I don't know <laughs> if it was too hard for him or he just lost interest, but maybe I'll try picking it back up again. Mm. Have you been continuing to play through the campaign of Remastered? I have not. Okay. Uh, not because I haven't meant to. I just haven't gotten to it. Um, I've been watching, you know, the new Rick and Morty. Oh, should talk about that. Would you like to bring? Would you like to talk about Rick and Morty a little bit? Yeah. So, so every time I watch an episode, I'm always thinking, does Wade like this one? And I play a game <laughs> where I think, well, Wade like this. And I've decided that, in fact, Wade did not like this episode of Rick and Morty. You're right. Yes! I'm good at this game. Mm. Very good. Ten points to you. Ten points to Falcon Door. Can you guess why I didn't like it? Or... Um, too much emphasis on the negativity in the relationship between Rick and Morty. Um, the toxic version of Rick is everything you hate about the show. Wait, hold on. Hold on. You might be an episode ahead of me. Oh, crud. You are. I always forget that. I always forget I'm in one ahead of you. So you watched... Garbage, I spoiled. The one where he takes Jerry. Oh, the Jerry adventure. Yeah, to the safest place on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hang on. Let me go back to that one. Okay, so you didn't like it because it basically highlights the fact that Jerry is a terrible person. Specifically naming why, and Rick is also bad, and nobody is redeemable on this show. Uh, No, I don't have a problem with him being, you know, just awful people on our show. Okay. I I don't like that... He wants to take Jerry out on, like, a fake adventure or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he takes him to a place that is covered in an immortality field where no one can die. No. Right? You can die. You just get immediately res, which is an interesting distinction, right. I thought. It, it It is. But he took him there because he knows that he wouldn't be able to get Morty back on his side if Jerry came back, like, died, right? That's essentially <laughs> the reason he gives for taking him there, which is a fine enough reason by yourself. But every other episode of the show is like, hey, I have an I- access to an infinite number of people, right? I have access to infinite number of Ricks, Mortys, and Jerry's. Why does it matter if this one dies? Just go get another one. No. So I, was, I, I was annoyed at the start. Okay, but he can't do... He's never done that. He's never just gone to another reality and grabbed someone's Jerry and been like, peace, this guy's mine now. Well, when he dropped him off at Jerry Daycare yeah. or Jerry Burry or whatever, he was like, is this one mine? I don't know. What number do you have? Yeah, whatever. Just take it. Like, he didn't care which one he got. Yep. 
So that's different though. Not caring which Jerry you have is different from actively going and replacing the Jerry that you lost through negligence with somebody else's Jerry. If he didn't care which Jerry he had, it wouldn't matter if the Jerry he did have died because he could have any Jerry. But again, replacing the Jerry is difficult. You have to go get somebody else's Jerry, which is not going to fly with the Rick of that dimension. In the opening credits, there is a wall of Mortys, Mortys. Yep. And, he, and he's like picking him out. Maybe there's a place like Jerry for that. Maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, the opening credit scene has not been canon. There have been a lot of things <laughs> in the opening credit scene that have never happened. Yeah, like Cthulhu flying through. Yeah, which I actually kind of want to see that one. Because that one's persisted through seasons one and season one and two. And th- are we on three now? We are on we three. We are on three. Stop. Other stuff has changed, but that Cthulhu chase scene has stayed. I'd like to see it one day. So anyway, okay. Um, You didn't like it because you feel like Jerry is replaceable and why would Rick bother taking him to somewhere where he can't permanently die? Yeah. That's fair. Uh, I got to say, I really enjoyed that Rick's like super high tech cybernetics shoots a suction dart gun. <laughs> that I did like. <laughs> <laughs> this amazing thing goes out of his arm and he has this crazy sight on his eye and he goes, poop, thunk, and grabs the guy's gun and yanks it back. <laughs> it is the greatest. <laughs> it's really cool. I, I like. I like individual bits like that, but then there are other times where I always find like they just take it like one step too far. Mm. In the Vindicators Part Three, yep, where the captain dies, like he's like, "Screw this, I'm gonna try and escape," and then he goes up, and you basically hear him being fed into like a wood chipper, wood chipper. or something. And yes, yeah. yep, yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, that's great, he's dead." But then his legs fly around for another minute. Yep. And it's like, okay, that's, that's one step too far, guys. Come on. Yes, they do do that. They do do gratuitous violence for no reason, quite often. So yeah, if you're not a fan of that one, I can totally understand understand how that feels. Uh, how did you feel about the little brother murdering his murdering sister? His st- <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Back up the truck, Mr. Wade. What is... What? Okay. The kid doesn't have access to an infinite number of sisters, so it matters if his sister dies. They yes. think they're playing a game. His innocence has just been snatched from him in an instant because of these other pricks doing their thing on a roller coaster. And this is hilarious. Uh, I didn't say it was funny. I said I enjoyed it. <laughs> but, okay, so if it's not hilarity, what emotion is associated with this enjoyment then? Appreciation? Um, I guess... Hmm. I don't know. There's a notion I've seen in some filmmaking videos I've seen where you have a like a premise, a setup, and then a payoff. So it always works in threes. Yes. And the setup is you like so you've got the kids running around shooting each other, and then you you see it again, and then the third time is the payoff is the the sister actually being dead, right? Yes. And there was just something about that mini narrative within the story that I really enjoyed. So, that everyone's in this world where they can't die, that's the gimmick, and here's someone who has, because what should be a relatively safe place has just become probably the worst thing that's ever happened to that person. It's just such a drastic immediate change in what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so you appreciate the literary, literary device usage, hmm. and 
just the sheer difference involved and how quickly it changes. Yeah. Mm. All right. I can buy that. Good. I did, I did again, just really enjoy the exchange between Jerry and Rick at the end when Rick drops Jerry off. And Jerry's like, all right, um, or what does he say? Rick starts it, and Rick goes, I won't tell anybody that you tried to have me murdered. You tried to kill me. And then Jerry says, all right, then I won't tell anyone that you intentionally sabotaged my marriage. And they're like, yep, mm. deal, shake hands, done. And I was like, that is the like darkest agreement Mm-hmm. Of all time, very dark agreement. Yeah, and for Rick to be straight up like, "You took my little girl away from me." Yeah, I wanted your marriage mm-hmm. to fail, and I might have helped it along a little bit, and then it did. So, what are you gonna do about it, sucker? And I was like, "Dang, Rick, that's cold." <laughs> that was how I felt about that agreement and what that leads to. Like, what were they actually discussing? Is good, but at the same time, it's preceded is it is it preceded by jerry going i'm not going to use pity anymore it's like okay good he's going to stand up for himself and then four seconds later he's like actually you know what my bus cards and my other pants because yep uh, rick built him pants apparently Uh, and it's like he the character is like a flip-flop he's one way back the other that's because one of the messages of the show is that you can't change who you are yeah that's true Especially in that episode with uh, Beth and Morty, and what's the sister's name, or is that Beth? Summer. What's the mother's name then. Summer. Summer's the sister. Yeah. 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 Who's actually who's you know more overtly in that? The message there is she wants to try and be someone she's not. She wants to change, and looking for a mother's appreciation and what lengths she'll go to get it. Yeah. I did. Okay, I did enjoy when Beth calls the helpline on the machine and they're like, do you see a small panel on the side of the box? (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like, we're free, we're free. And then she goes, okay, so three little men just ran out. Now what? Oh, that was good. That was good. And then Morty standing up to his mom and being like, look, you're a lot more like your dad than I think you'll admit to yourself. That was an interesting moment for sure. Maybe I did like this episode. Maybe you did. I think the first bit where it takes him to an immortality place just kind of soured it for me. And I'm like, all right, this put me in a bad mood. Let's see what else is going to happen. But, yeah, maybe I, I think I did like this episode. Hooray, I was wrong. Well, you didn't even guess about this episode. I you guessed did about the too. next episode. Well, I guessed about both. I came back. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I but I was wrong. That. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Also, I really love the concept of weaponized um, victimization. Mm. Right? Where Rick basically says, hey, Jerry, you use pathetic behavior to make people feel sorry into hiring you for jobs and into marrying you and into doing good things for you. You use weakness as a weapon and i was like dang i've never considered that before it made me think a lot Mm. yeah i mean it was a good point he was right it was absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. right and that's why i like this show is because on the outside it's a sci-fi crazy violent crude show about a grandpa and his grandkid 
But there's a lot of psychological exploration that goes on that really makes you think. There are a couple moments in the most recent episode, too, that you're going to see next week. <laughs> there are a couple lines and a couple situations that I've been thinking about all day just because it's like, oh, that, this. I hadn't, mm, hadn't seen that that way before. And it's good. That's one of the reasons that I like it a lot. Okay. I look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Then I watched the season finale of Game of Thrones last night. Ooh. Was it a good finale? It was crazy. Crazy finale. It's like an hour and a half long rather than the usual um, like 60 minutes. Mm. So that made it crazy all by itself. But I'm I don't... still uh, seasons. You are. You are. A lot of people are, honestly. Like, I was talking about it at work, and mm. some dude in the queue behind us was like, hey, you're spoiling stuff. I'm behind. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Have you not seen last night's episode? And the guy's like, I'm on season two. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> that guy is way too far behind to complain. Yeah, that's what I said. He's like, I know who's still alive because you're throwing names around. And I was like, Pfft. you're like 87 hours back. You cannot complain. <laughs> about spoilers i'm sorry that guy should that guy should not complain no <laughs> uh i mean he shouldn't but he has but he is so what do you do you i don't know you laugh at him basically <laughs> that's what I, <laughs> I just chuckled <laughs> you're so silly honestly though i think i've talked about this my policy for spoilers for game of thrones is so much hardline compared to everything else it is the one show that I fully expect people to have watched the day, the next day. The next day. If you haven't taken the time to watch a 60-minute episode of Game of Thrones by, the, by Monday morning, I have no patience for you. Sacrifice some sleep. Get it done once a week for seven times a year. And don't complain about me spoiling stuff on Monday morning. That's how I feel about it. I, I can agree with that. That You can have shows like that, but... It's one of those problems where everyone has a different feeling on how where that line should be. Yep, uh, they do. My line is, if I didn't bother to watch it by now, you know, you could spoil it. Then how that. much of a priority is it? Yeah, that's how I feel about it. If you don't make it a priority to keep up with the show, then you can't feel strongly about being spoiled. It doesn't mean as much to you as it does with somebody else. I don't know. It's just my theory about it. Other stuff, I am much nicer about other TV shows, movies. I'll have a spoiler time built in where it's like, okay, this movie just came out two weeks ago. I, you know, I'm not going to spoil it in public conversation. I'm okay with that. But Game of Thrones, I am so hardline with this thing. If you didn't see it, too bad. You're going to get spoiled because I'm going to talk about this loudly in six different places in the office today, <laughs> all throughout the day. You can't avoid it. Up your game, bro. Up your game. But again, that makes me sound like I'm always like that. But I'm not. I promise. Just about this one one thing. Seven times. Seven times a year, you guys. That's all it is. It is not crazy. <sighs> so part of me right now is like, I should spoil this for Wade. But then I'm like. Go for it. I'm, I have no plans on watching it at the moment. Uh, should we? What do we got? Ten minutes left on the pod? Uh, yeah, about that. Is there anything else we want to cover? I might just do Game of Thrones spoilers for the last five minutes. Uh, I played a little bit of Destiny 2. Oh, you did. Totally forgot. But that was, it's on my Blizzard yep. launcher. Yeah. Is that why you played it? Because it was on your Battle.net launcher and you're like, oh, Destiny. 
Well, I played it because I put 500 hours into Destiny 1. Oh. So I wanted to see what Destiny 2 was like. That's a better reason. Mm. Hold up. So yes. the open beta period is tomorrow, you witch. How are you doing? Oh, right, Australia. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. Uh, people who have pre-ordered get a day early. Oh, early access. Oh, I see. Yep. Got it. Got it. I should read more carefully. I was kind of under the impression that the early access, uh, that the beta would be like it was for Destiny 1, uh, where there would be a lot to do. And so I, you know, I'd want that extra day. But it came out at around 3 a.m. this morning, and I'm pretty much already finished covering everything that I wanted to look at in the game. So how many hours would it take you? Uh, six. Okay, it's not bad. Yeah, and that's because and that's skipping cutscenes as well. You're skipping new cutscenes you've never seen before. No, no, no. I watched them the first time and I skipped them on subsequent ah, playthroughs. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that. We'll speed it up. Yeah, because in Destiny One, when you like in the beta period, what it was, it was make your character. All right, pick your class. All right, now we're gonna go through some cutscenes, introduction. It was basically like the start of the game, and you could play to level seven right and they gave you a whole planet to explore which wasn't a whole planet but it was like they gave you a large area where you could just explore and free roam and maybe you'd bump into other people and stuff in certain areas and then they gave you uh i think five missions maybe three or four maybe five missions that you could do there so you get a small part part of the narrative right for what little there was in destiny one right that's yeah that's the reason i didn't play it but continue yeah in and you, there were reasons through that three times over because you had three classes and you wanted to see how each class played. Yeah. In this one, they start you off with a level twenty character, Whoa. so it's essentially max level with like relatively high gear, and all your skills basically unlocked. And it's like, all right, do a mission, right? And that mission is pretty easy. It's twenty minutes skipping cutscenes because I've done it three times now, skipping cutscenes twice. Yeah. And it's a good mission. It's fun. And it lets you try out your abilities and stuff like this. And they give you some cool weapons. And so all the gameplay is still very similar from what I can tell in Destiny 2 now. But it on PC it feels much better. Right? Because it's, you know, 60 instead of 30. Right. That's a big deal. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but instead of giving you an open area to explore, there isn't. They just, alright, we're going to send you to orbit, which is... The closest you got to, like, your area where you'd sit in your ship and go, okay, I want to travel to the social area or to Earth or to Mars or to Venus. Now they send you to your orbit and it's like, okay, I want to do this one other mission where it'll match make me with two other people to do it. Nice. Or I want to play multiplayer. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're playing so, with real people no matter what. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you'll have to do that anyway in Destiny because it's a shared world shooter, whatever that is. <laughs> There is no single player or offline versions of the game. Yeah. But there's, I couldn't... In Destiny 1, the beta, I was, you know, running around exploring, and I came across areas where it's like, okay, this is going to be a place where you can go when you're a much higher level, and at the moment, this is enemies you can't beat. And I remember getting my friends and being like, hey, could you all come here? I want to see if we can gang up on this, like, level 20, when there's, like, seven level 7s of us. Try to take down this giant ogre-looking thing. <laughs> nice. And this, yeah, and we couldn't do it because it essentially it was just like you do like three damage per shot, and he walks up and hits us, and we die. But in Destiny Two, it's like okay, well, I can't explore anything other than the two missions that they give us. One of which I'm tied to a leash with two other people. Yeah. 
And if they get too far ahead, it'll port me to them. Or they'll just yell at me because I'm trying to, like, let me explore the map. This is the only chance I get. Hmm. So, yeah, you're definitely being dragged along for sure. <clears throat> and the, the main story part that they drop you off at the start is very linear as well. So there's not really a whole lot to explore there. Right. Hmm. Well, good to know. Maybe things will change when they actually release, but probably not. I already know that when they release, they'll have the open area exploration and stuff like the first game. They just haven't shown us for the beta so far. Like they just, you can have that on launch. That's not the stuff we want you to look at. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, yeah, Destiny. I mean, again, just lack of story in Destiny 1 prevented me from entirely, yeah, from playing it at all. Yeah. So. Well, Destiny 2 will have story. Very good. Perhaps I'll check it out. We will see. Maybe. We will see. Speaking of story, you were going to spoil some for me. Yeah. All right. So Game of Thrones time. Dun, 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 dun. If you don't want to hear about Game of Thrones, don't want to get spoiled, just end it. There's nothing else after this. We're just going to talk about Patreon again and thank Concordia Recordings. So done that already. So <laughs> Game of Thrones, hour and a half season finale for a shortened season of seven episodes instead of ten. And the fan service is coming like in the windows and down the chimney. And they are just being like, hey, fans, you want to see this? Here you go. Hey, fans, you've been talking about this on the Internet. Here's this one, too. And like they're just writing the show based on what people are talking about online. And it's crazy. It is crazy what's going on. So what's been happening. specifically, uh, specifically, let's see what was extremely fan servicey. So Jon Snow and Daenerys end up hooking up. They're in love, apparently. Even though I feel like it was rushed and unearned. Like, they met probably 15 minutes together of screen time ago. Uh, okay. They're apparent- so they're in love because they have to be, not because they want to Correct, be. Correct, because they have to be. Because the internet's been clamoring for it. And because maybe the story demands it. I don't know. Aren't they, like, cousins or something? Uh, she is his aunt. Okay. But I think she's younger than he is. Makes sense. Because, let's see, are they close to the same age? When was she born? I don't know. They're very close to the same age. Hmm. So it's an incestual thing, but where they don't know that it's incest and they didn't meet each other until 10 minutes ago and they're close to the same age, like it's just not as bothersome to me as the, for example, Jamie and Cersei incest where they've been doing it since they were like 14. Yeah. Much more concerning, much a different level for sure. So there's that. And then basically everybody's been talking about, we want to see the hound fight against his brother, uh, the mountain. We're mm. calling this the Clegane bowl. And they're basically like, all right, we're going to have the hound. Yep. <laughs> we're going to have the hound walk directly up to the mountain and be like, what up? I'm coming for you. And then walk away. So... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we can't do the cooking bowl in this season, but we promise you guys it's coming next season. Come back to Game of Thrones season eight because Clegane Bowl confirmed. Yep. So there's that. Then there was the ice, the ice king, the um, night king riding a raised zombie dragon burning down the wall. Oh, big deal. Yeah. Big, big deal. And kind of fan servicey. I mean, right? Night King riding a dragon, pretty awesome wall going down. Like just mm. visually an impressive scene for sure. But it was just like, this is what people have been clamoring for. 
So it's just things like that. And part of it here is that I feel like Game of Thrones spent so long subverting expectations, saying, here's the loving family. Oh, they're all dead. Here's the handsome knight. Oh, he's an incestuous child murderer. Here's this other thing that you expect to be one way. No, completely wrong. Uh, that for them to completely change course at this point, basically midstream and decide that now we are all about fulfilling the expectations, the happy expectations of our fan base is kind of freaking me out. And so now what I'm rooting for is that the, the final season of Game of Thrones is everybody arming themselves and getting pumped up and going to go take down the Night King. And then he just wipes everybody out. He just wins. <laughs> And all of our heroes die, and it's just endless winter in Westeros, and the Night King rules, and that's the end of the show. That is absolutely what I'm rooting for right now. Just because the sad ending would be thematically appropriate for the show, but we're going, like, sprinting in the opposite direction right now, and it's kind of worrisome. What's the opposite direction? Because I am, like I've said, seasons behind. Yeah. I don't know what's, like, why, uh, ever, why like, what's happening to counteract the knight like what's coming in the opposite direction to him then yeah uh so daenerys her dragons are full grown at this point she's got two of them one of them was killed but she has two which are really good because fire kills the undead yeah so that's huge they've also found a giant store of uh dragon glass which is obsidian that is one way you can kill the undead is with uh, like a weapon made from that stuff okay and then Valerian Steel, of which there are six or seven weapons in Westeros, can also is a very effective weapon at killing the undead. And so they know where those are, and they're going to be part of the battle as well. And then it's just basically the armies of the nations, like the Lannister army and the Tarleys. And I don't know what's up with Dorne, but everybody in the north is going to march on it too, whatever's left of the wildlings. So, I mean, there is enough to where it is conceivable that the living will win this battle. They'll pull it out. But I really... <laughs> you really hope they don't. I kind of hope they don't. Because I didn't... Like, what sucked me into Game of Thrones was not wish fulfillment. It never was. What did suck you in then? The subversion. The subversion of every fantasy trope that I've been reading for my entire life. And saying, okay, so main characters honestly aren't safe. They can be killed at any time. There's no plot armor here. But the last couple seasons have been pretty plot armory. There are a list of characters that clearly cannot die because they're needed for the end. They're needed for the grand finale and they've got that planned out and you can see it on them and that ju- it's a different show. It's a different show because of that. I can, I can understand that. I mean, I remember watching the first season and just being like, oh my God, they stabbed Ed Stark through the leg. How could they? And then I was like, what did I know? <laughs> And Martin says, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) And now you're telling me that basically they're like, well, no one's ever going to get touched because they need them for whatever's happening at the end. They might all die there, but that'll be a group end of the world kind of situation rather than the intricacies of this plot going on right now has caused the death of someone. Yeah, exactly. They're... Saw a death pool, a death pool that some people had put together where they basically selected three characters each from the show, put money on it, and said, if your character, if one of your three characters dies, you win the pool, or more of your characters die than somebody else wins the pool. Of the 15 characters chosen, I mean, this is people choosing characters they think have a really good chance of dying. One of them died this season. 
One, it is shocking how few characters are dead, even among those that we felt were super in peril of dying this season. And they keep putting him in positions where it's like, okay, John very easily could be dead here. Nope, he's fine. <laughs> this other guy could be totally dead here. No, he's fine. Jamie's in mortal peril three or four times during this season. No, he's fine. So <laughs> they're absolutely just tearing up the work that was done in the earlier seasons and turning it into something completely different. And I just... Uh, I don't like it. Yeah. But at the same time, the show's getting more viewers than it ever has. The finale had 16.5 million viewers, which is in today's age of TV ratings is unfathomably huge. Hmm. So it just encourages them to keep doing this. That's the problem with appealing to fans is you appeal to the fans. Yep. And then if you appeal too much, you lose what made you special and then it starts to tank the other way. So I don't know. Maybe there's a lesson, life lesson in there somewhere. Maybe. I, I was actually, one of the shows I was watching over the last week was Community. Have you ever watched this? Yeah, that's Dan Harmon. It's the same guy that does Rick and Morty. Yeah, I know. Yep. Because the very last episode of um, Community has a character voiced by pretty much Rick, I think. Justin Roiland, yeah. Yeah, it's like this animated character called Cubehead, <laughs> like Ice Cubehead or something. Uh-huh. He's only in it for like four seconds and it's dumb, but But it's yeah. very clear that it's the same voice actor. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, there's a line that uh, one of the characters has, Abed, mm-hmm. where he says, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's, they're talking about why there won't be a season seven, and it's, there's a line that we walk, if we stick too close to it, we're safe and boring, but if we stray too far, we're weird. Yep. It's a tricky balancing act, for sure. So Justin Rowland actually does the voices for Rick and Morty. Yeah. Yep. Which, if I knew that. If you, if you ever watched... Like, video of him doing the voice acting for it is crazy. It is nuts that he can pull that off. Fair enough. Um, the game Lawbreakers, believe it or not, fun fact, has a, like, a capture the ball kind of game mode and, like, get the ball and go score. Uh-huh. And the ball is vo- is the voice of Rick. <laughs> the ball needs a voice, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. All right, we're straying. We're straying away from Game of Thrones, which you promised we would end on, so... So let's wrap it up. (laughs) All right. So thanks, everybody, for watching again. Thanks to Concordia Recordings for the outro music. Check them out. There's a link in the description. Maybe we'll do some intro music one of these times, too. I don't know. I don't know if that's too much work. But again, check us out on Patreon. Link in the description. Please consider supporting the podcast. A lot of work goes into this, especially from Wade's side of things. And until next time, as always, thank you so much for listening to the pod. And until next time, you take care of yourself. Once we thought that we'll stay young And these worthies never gold But when I opened up my eyes I said, grow old with me Will you age here by my side And stay beautiful for life Oh, faith the way in the darkness and leave me here this world is a cold place without